I'm Rachel Barenbaum, author of A Bend in the Stars, and today my guest is Victoria Gosling. Her book, Before the Ruins, was unbelievable. I couldn't put it down. I loved it so much, I'm interviewing her here, and I interviewed her for the LA Review of Books. Victoria, tell me, what is your book about? Uh, so my book is about a missing person. Andrea's in her late 30s and um, her best friend Peter goes missing and she has to find out why he's, he's gone missing. And that means uncovering all these buried secrets from their past. It's also about a missing diamond necklace, a game gone wrong, friendship, love and betrayal. Well, this is being called a thriller by many people, but it's not a Hollywood style thriller in any sense. Um, there's a very dark undercurrent to all of the characters and throughout the book of domestic violence. And this terrified me more than anything because it wasn't overt, but it was there in almost every scene. Can you talk about that? Um, I think there's a sense of violence with it without actually the violence being shown um, because I think domestic violence um, has a way of sort of permeating people's lives and it tends to take place in secret. So uh, for Andrea, who has experienced um, a violence in her life and, and the fear that goes with that, it's very present uh, to her, even though it's actually her secret and, and the people around her generally don't know about it or they only have a suspicion about it. But it's not even just her that's experiencing this violence, right? It's a couple, many of your characters, her own mother dies and, and it's just, it's there and it's terrifying because I think you're right, it does mirror what happens in real life. I think um, the experience Andrea has with, with, with violence comes um, via her mother. Her mother is, is um, abusive towards her, but it sort of flows within the family. I think, you know, violence within families is something that can be normalized. Um, and that's, um, people tend to seek out people for whom, you know, abusers tend to seek out for people for whom violence um, is something that perhaps um, has already been part of their lives. It can become a repeating pattern. So as soon as I put this book down, the first question I wanted to ask you was how you used a game within a game within a game, right? You have sort of three generations of people playing this game. You have the original um, murder and search for the necklace, and then you have the childhood search and then the adult search. Uh, how did you think about that? Um, well, originally I, I was planning to write a different book that was based um, in the 1930s and a section of it took place at the manor the night the original diamonds um, go missing. Um, but I couldn't write that book. I ended up not feeling very confident uh, that I had enough information. So then I sort of went back to the drawing board and I started to think about um, these children playing this game. And I, as a child, I love games. I think games, there's something very magical about them and, and there's something you know close to ritual. Um, they can be very trans transforming and transporting. And so then, um, it came to me the new characters that were playing this game and then again I had more vision so I don't generally decide what I'm going to write you know I kind of listen and then I, I knew they would go back one day and they would play it again with disastrous consequences. So how far did you get in that first version? Um, quite far I mean I thought about it for about a year and made notes for, for about a year and then I just had to give up so I'm really hoping I know more about that now so it's, it's a bigger novel it's got Yes, it's a lot more um, ambitious, I think, in, in terms of structure and, and the time scale involved. So I have all those notes still and I'm hoping that I'm writing something di completely different now. I needed to get rid of uh, this novel out of my head and do something, uh, yeah, trying to get away from that sense, I think, of menace 
particularly that was quite hard to live with when I was writing it. But I do hope that I can go back um, to, to the manor again one day and, and write that part that's set in the 1930s, because I've seen it all so clearly. I'm ready. When you write it, I'm ready to read it. <laughs> so one of the things that you do so brilliantly in this book is layering in secrets. And there's secrets and secrets, and then characters change and sometimes don't even realize their own secrets. How did you build these characters? Um, again, I, I, I sort of have the feeling that um, I, I spent nearly four years writing the book. Um, and over those four years, you spend so much time within an imaginary world and with, with the characters. And they, they generally, you know, you have problems within writing a novel, like how am I going to solve this? And, and how does that going to work? And, and, and how, and eventually, if you can, you know, spend enough time with it, the answers kind of arrive. I don't really feel that I create plots. I don't sit down and think, okay, I want to write a novel about this and, and structure it. it. It kind of comes to the imagination and sort of little details kind of keep coming to you if you listen long enough. So all those uh, characters, I spent a lot of time with them. Um, and eventually I, I learned enough about them, I think, to write the book. Yes, I think um, you, you know you have a good character when uh, they, they uh, don't uh, necessarily do what you want them to do. And, um, and they have their own, and especially some of the smaller characters who come along, like Mrs. East, um, he's, a, he's a older character in the book. I very much had a, a very strong feeling about her. I never felt I created her in any way. She was kind of there present right from the beginning as a, as a fully kind of um, rounded and... You know. So let's switch gears a little bit. I'd love to hear about the Berlin Reader. You are based in Berlin. That's your organization. Can you tell me about it? Yes. So um, I moved to Berlin in, in 2008 and um, I was teaching English and writing a novel and the novel ended up in a drawer and I didn't know what to do next. And my German's not brilliant and it wasn't, it was even worse then. So I was thinking, you know, what, what did I want? And I realized that what I really lacked was a community of writers. Um, and so I decided I would start um, a workshop. And it turned out that it was just at the right moment. And there's so many other people out there who felt the same. So I ran a couple of workshops and then I met so many other people through it. I read, you know, amazing script writers and poets and they started running workshops as well through the reader and we started doing literary events and a literary festival at an abandoned um, fort out near the Polish border. I like places that are a bit abandoned um, and it's just grown and grown and it's been uh, really rewarding but I'm actually taking a bit of time off now so my colleague Sharon is going to run the reader for me while I work on this next book. Amazing. It sounds a lot like Grub Street, which is an organization in Boston in the US that I'm involved with. Um, and you also run the Berlin Prize. Yes, so that came out of the, the reader. So in the beginning, I was running some quite small writing competitions, just local to Berlin to try and get people um, involved with the reader and find out what was out there. And then we were very fortunate to partner with the Circus um, Hotel and the British Council. And we um, got this huge prize to offer, uh, to give away, which was a month uh, in a luxury apartment in Berlin for a writer to come and spend their time writing. Um, the circus uh, provided that and so we, we made it uh, open to everyone everywhere hoping to bring more writers to Berlin it's a hugely creative city uh, it's a really really special place I've been very lucky to, to live there. Amazing so you've lived all over the world and I have to ask how many languages do you speak? Uh, I speak about four very badly um, really badly <laughs> I can order beer in about eight but um, now I've got very bad French very bad Spanish very bad Portuguese and, and reasonable German. I'm not sure I believe that. I bet you're brilliant at all of them. Uh, so what kind of advice do you have for new or aspiring writers? 
Oh, um, it depends on the writer what they're struggling with, I think. So, um, so broadly, I would say uh, set yourself small targets in the beginning. I think when I started writing, I knew in my heart that I really wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write novels. Um, so I would keep starting and, and abandoning novels. And I started to get um, a lot better and a lot with a lot more wind in my sails after I started writing short stories for a while, just to finish something. And then to realize that writing is not like, um, certain other arts like you know ballet dance they train and they train and they have to go on stage and they have to do it live and if they mess it up they, they've messed it up live whereas with, as a writer you, you do it and you need to get to the finish line and finish a draft and then you can just go back and keep adding layers and, and work out what's working and what's not and that's what really lovely thing about the art form it's also a really frustrating thing because you can feel like you never never finish um but yes so finish set yourself small targets finish things go back and make them better and then start sharing your work if you can there's so many compared to when I was uh, when I started out writing. There's so many wonderful venues now, both online and in print, and it's a lot easier to get something published somewhere and to start sharing your work. And that I think is, you know, when we write, we are we write because on some level we want to share something. And if you if you keep writing and sticking things in a drawer, then uh, you can become on quite you know quite a deep level, maybe a sense of discouragement. And what was the hardest part about getting before the ruins published? Um, well, I have, uh, this is not my first novel, so I think I had had uh, a novel uh, taken on by an agent in my, in my late 20s and it didn't sell, so I came into it with a lot of fear that was going to happen again, and I was very fortunate this time in that I got a wonderful agent right from the top of my list, like at, at the beginning, so that happened really quickly, um, but um, when the book went out, my, my book seemed to fill four, people aren't quite sure how to describe them, they're you know, there's a lot of maybe some plot elements there, you know, but they're not, um, they're not uh, thrillers per se, they're not mysteries per se, they kind of straddle literary fiction perhaps and, and some commercial fiction elements. Um, and for a long time, the book was out for quite a long time before um, it was bought in the UK, so it went out in the UK and I think it was like three months or something, maybe even about three yeah. months and I was really panicking. I was just thinking, oh God, it's happening again. I've got this far and this is as far as I'm going to get. And then um, basically my dream publisher uh, made an offer for it, Serpent's Tale. Um, and the person who had been sent to had been on maternity leave, Rebecca. So Rebecca had been away. So I didn't hear for three months and then it went to this place that I absolutely adore. And then I was really surprised. Um, I never ex expected it to, to sell in America. And um, then it was bought by um, Henry Holt. And uh, it's just been a dream, really. It's been yeah, 20 years and, and something wonderful happened. Right, they say you're an overnight success after 20 years of really hard work, right? <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm ready for the movie. Are there any movie plans? Not that I've heard of. I'd love there to be one. That would be amazing. Victoria, thank you so much. Congratulations. I love, love Before the Ruins. Thank you so many. Thank you very much, Rachel.